welcome to the First Intuition Podcast. On this episode, myself and Dave talk about inflation. What causes it, what governments try to do about it, and how it could be relevant to your accountancy studies. We recorded the session in front of the live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them. I've put a link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman. And I'm back this evening and joined by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Ben. And how are you on this? What for me is a a very, very cold evening um, outside, but I've got a lovely log fire in my living room, which I'm sitting in front of as we record this. Isn't it just it is freezing out there. I have been up and down today with temperature. So it started this morning when I did the the good thing at home and went out early and defrosted my wife's car knowing she was taking the girls to school so got some brownie points there and and it was really cold this morning came back in and warmed up and I had a a call online so got nice and warm in my kitchen then went out to go and visit some students at their premises and was absolutely freezing again when I drove there and got into their office but just got warmed up having met them for an hour or so talking about current exams and forthcoming plans for study and had to leave their nice warm office to go again to drive to another meeting got absolutely freezing again but then warmed up and then got cold coming home and I'm now home for the evening and hopefully I'm gonna stay nice and warm at home how's your day gone not too bad. I, I had a really nice start to the day where I, I walked my daughter to school and we, we shared my AirPods and listened to Christmas songs all the way into school. And my daughter's not shy about singing out loud for everyone to hear, which if everyone knows Elf is the way to bring Christmas cheer. Um, so we've got lots of smiles from um, the teachers on the gates and all the other parents looked as if we were a little bit crazy as we were singing our Christmas songs. But yeah, that, that was really, really nice. And then, um, yeah, I've just uh, yeah, had a day, as I know I talked to you earlier, of just general admin and catching up and, you know, kind of doing those things that we've put off. Because as, as I'm sure loads of people listening that have done exams over the last week or so will be kind of like, you know, thinking they're doing similar things. So those things that you kind of neglected over the, the busy exam period. Fantastic. And it is obviously exam week as we're recording this. So if you're listening to this, having just done an exam, well done. You've done you've done the hard work now. Let's hope we can all find a bit of time in the next coming couple of weeks to have a bit of, of downtime, hopefully get away from the, the study for a couple of weeks and have a good rest before we come back energised for um, a big study year of 2023. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for so many kind of um, year ends now. It will be a lovely comeback again, as we always do in the new year, where we hopefully try and re-energize people into studies and setting resolutions and plans for the forthcoming 12 months. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, Ben, we can spend a little bit of time over kind of the, the next couple of weeks, just probably having just a little chat over the events of the last year to do some of those end of year um, kind of Christmas special episodes that we've done over the past couple of years. I, I can't wait. I love those Christmas specials, Dave. I'll get some mince pies in and a, a big mug of tea and we can sit down and reminisce about this year um, and, and sit back in our, our Christmas jumpers and, and talk about um, what we've covered and what we plan to cover for the new year. Yeah, can't yeah. wait. I'd love to have a couple of catch ups and, and we'll record those guys and hopefully we can get them out over Christmas. So if you are our board in your kind of shutdown, you'll have some some podcast fodder from myself and Dave to, to catch up on. I mean, there are some people that are excited when the podcast drops, not that they're bored, that they're actively awaiting for it to pop up on their mobile phones so that they can put their headphones in and listen and drop everything at the time they come out, Ben. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we, we, we've always kind of thought who listens, where are they listening from? Um, maybe we'll do a bit more reflection of that and I'll see if I can get some of the stats again for one of the Christmas episodes mm-hmm. to find out the the most far-flung part of the world that somebody has downloaded the the FI podcast this year. But we've got tonight's episode. Um, I picked the topic this evening. Um, I wanted to do something that was relevant to study but also very relevant to the real world and the term inflation we are hearing so much at the moment. It's on the news You're probably hearing people talking about inflation at work. 
I see students in exam questions using the term quite casually, actually, if they're talking about maybe producing a budget or we've got to factor in inflation. But I do wonder how much they really understand about the concept, about what's happening. And actually, I could do with with some further education on this. Dave, I know you are um, a, a really great financial management, financial strategy tutor. And so hopefully tonight it's a chance for me to kind of pick your brains a bit as well and have a, a, a natter about all things inflation. That's, that sounds good, Ben. It's something that you're absolutely right. It's in the news all the time. It's something that comes into my exams all the time. That it's, 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 as you say, those kind of financial strategy papers where you're looking at plans for a business over a 5, 10, 15 year period and really understanding what inflation is and how it impacts so many different things in those financial decisions is really really important so yeah it's it's yeah I, I, i'm quite looking forward to your grilling um of me in terms of um in terms of inflation and i very much look at it from that point of view of one how does it impact me personally secondly how does it impact businesses um and they're the two things that are that that you know i really look at um, and then what are the, the, the then the knock on effects of inflation and how can they impact us personally or how can they impact businesses? Excellent. And, and it is a very real world issue. Obviously, there is always a level of inflation and we're going to talk about the current situation a bit in a moment, I am sure. But it's certainly something I would be encouraging students to have a, a heightened awareness of. Um, directly referencing in, in questions and, and contextualizing things in exam scenarios, but also bearing in mind the people writing your exams will have been hearing the same inflation messages on the telly and are probably quite interested themselves in challenging you as students in the, the forthcoming exams by setting a question where that could be a particular theme or topic area. Absolutely. So, and we've been spoiled over the, the past what, 15 years or so by having reasonably low inflation rates and also correspondingly reasonably low interest rates, which have meant that exam questions involving inflation or, or interest rates have been really dull because it's you know, they're uncharacteristically low. And I think now that we've started to see some movement in those, it does give examiners the scopes to think, ah, actually, we can test this thing here that we haven't been able to test for years. And suddenly, I think you will get exam questions that do have inflation running at higher rates or interest rates running at higher rates. So let's go right back to basics, something that I think we spoke of in previous episodes, the the my mum test. Yeah. If, if I were putting you on the spot tonight, Dave, to say you've got two minutes with my mum to explain to her what the concept of inflation is all about, what are the headlines you need to get across to somebody, um, the basics of inflation? So in inflation is just how we describe prices going up over a period of time. That's all inflation is. And you've seen inflation, okay, because, you know, I demonstrated earlier and I gave you the Freddo test and I said, Ben, how much is a Freddo? In your mind, if you're thinking back, I used to buy Freddos when I was young, how much did a Freddo cost? So just for the benefit of listeners, if they don't know what a Freddo is, we're talking about a Cadbury's chocolate frog. And in my head, they are 10 pence per chocolate bar. And that's because they've got 10 pence printed on them. And so you know that a Freddo is 10 pence. OK, that's well, if I tell you that, that as of today, if you go onto Cadbury's website and try and buy a Freddo, they are 30 pence. So it's gone from, I think, in 2005 was the last time it was 10 pence. They're now 30 pence, which is 17 years later. That is inflation. And inflation is just describing how prices have changed from at some point in the time to right now. Now, when the government calculate the inflation, they do that on a monthly basis. Um, and they say, how much has inflation changed from one month to the next, to the next, to the next? And then overall, they calculate an average inflation over the last 12 months. So when we hear things at the moment, like inflation is currently at 10%, that's 10% from the end of the month for going back over a 12-month period. And then the next month, they'll look back over the 12 months from the end of that month. Fantastic. So, so the, the next question on, on the telly, we hear the inflation 10 percent, 11 percent, whatever it's currently running at. Um, and they, they talk about either the, the CPI, the consumer price index or the RPI, the retail price index. 
I don't know if you just wanted to explain to us briefly what, what those things are and how they get their percentage numbers. Well, first of all, the way that inflation is typically calculated is you could do it on a uh, on a per item basis and say, right, I'm going to calculate the Freddo index and how much Freddos have changed from one month to the next. And if anyone wants to Google Freddo index and there's an entire website devoted to the price of Freddos over time. So someone has done that. Governments don't do it on that kind of level. What they look at is what they call an average basket of goods or, or what is it that the average person typically buys on a month by month or an annual basis they, this is what an average person buys and then they compare the cost of that fictional average load of goods that people buy from one month to the last so in that you could work out your own personal inflation figure you could call it the the bullman index and you could say how much did i spend on all of my bills last month and then how much are all those bills this month and you would have a difference and then you could work out what your personal inflation rate is so all the government does, they work out the average of all people in the UK. And the, the retail price index looks at all goods, all services that individuals buy and includes the costs of housing in there. The consumer prices index does the same thing, but it ignores the cost of housing and just looks at those other items that you'd spend outside of housing. And it's CPI that the government tend to use as their target inflation rates. Um, and, and it's CPI that I believe that, that and the economists out there will be able to comment on this. But CPI tends to be the figure that most economists tend to be more comfortable with rather than in, rather than RPI, which includes those housing costs. And, and I guess house prices are more volatile, potentially, and historically they, they've been going up where other things may be going up at a, a slower rate. So the the cpi makes a bit more sense to your yeah there, your there was an argument that um that that's and i don't know how much truth there is in this that um rpi was something that was always used the retail price interest included housing and the government struggled to meet the target that they set and they realized the reason for that was because house prices were rising at a faster rate than other items in the basket of goods, which pushed that average up. But by taking that housing cost out, it meant it actually brought the overall rate of inflation down, which meant they, were, they found it slightly more easy to achieve the targets that they'd set. I don't know if that's true. I mean, and, it, and you know, far be it from me to cast aspersions on the good people that work in our government. Um, for you know changing the targets because they can't meet the existing targets but that's what I was I was advised at one point. So let, let's think you've, you've talked about targets and we've talked about the current situation so I, I looked and I think the the current inflation is around about 11 percent according yep. to the government recently they've announced their target is two percent Let's first of all think about high inflation. And obviously 10, 11% is a lot higher than we've experienced in previous recent years. I know it has been um, higher than that previously. What are some of the impacts and implications of having high inflation in the country, Dave? Um, I'm, I'm gonna sound like a doom monger now because I'm gonna go through kind of all of the, the, the problems with high inflation. And, and it, there, there are some, kind of positive impacts of high inflation as well, but not as many, I think, as the, as the downside of it. Um, you know, the, the first thing is that if prices are going up at 10% and today you could buy £100 worth of stuff, in a year's time, that £100 worth of stuff would cost you £110. So the value of £100 buys you stuff now. It couldn't buy you the same amount of things in a year's time. So it actually reduces the value of the money that you have. Okay, now, that means that, you know, in terms of earnings, if your earnings are static, then you'll be able to buy less stuff. So in theory, well, in practice, actually, you will be poorer in a year's time if your wages aren't keeping pace with inflation. It also means why, why would anyone save money in an environment where the moment you put it into the bank account, it loses value against what you can buy for it. So it, it discourages saving. And so that's something that the government always wants to encourage because they want people to have money put to one side in case there's an emergency and to save their future and for retirement. So it discourages inflation. Um, and, and both of those things, it dis discourages savings even, it erodes the value of money, which means you can buy less, which that really hurts people on very low incomes. 
So it's actually something that can be really painful for the lowest earning people in society. People that are very, very high earners, they might have excess money. And yeah, they might, you know, might not have as much to save, but it's not going to hurt them in the same way as people kind of living on the breadline and that don't have a huge amount of income. Um, uh, other things that, um, that that we see, and this is straight from my financial management papers, um, is it will instantly have an impact on your cost of capital. So the cost of capital that we calculate should always be adjusted for inflation where possible. That means that cost of capital is higher. And that means any investment that a business needs to make has got a higher barrier to overcome before it actually makes the return that it would need to. So for businesses in a high inflation environment, they're less likely to make investments in new plant and machinery or new products or you know, evolving the way that they make them. So you tend to see a little bit less innovation uh, and businesses don't want to you know, spend that money because they've got a bigger capital, uh, a bigger level of capital to overcome. Um, other issues, and this is one that will come straight out of the audit playbook then, is um, when it comes to profitability. Um, for a lot of businesses, you know, we set our prices and we tell our customers these are all of our prices. And then if our costs are going up behind the scenes, that squeezes our profitability and our margin. And that can take us from a business that is profitable. And if we're on a really narrow margin, that could push us into a loss making position. And I think particularly kind of in the food industry where margins are very, very low, that pressure that inflation puts in your profit margin can quite easily turn a business from profit making into loss making. Uh, and, you know, from, from an audit perspective, Ben, that's a whole going concern risk. Excellent. So some really practical things there, Dave, with regards to high inflation. But I would say good thing. And this is if anyone is in a position where you have got debt. OK, it's actually if you've got debt and you've got inflation, that means that the value of your debt actually reduces over time. It becomes, you know, in terms of the debt that you've got, so if that £100 worth of debt, in a year's time, £100 isn't worth quite as much as it is worth right now. So if anyone's there with a student loan, okay, we should, unless your student loan is somehow linked to inflation, then we should be quite happy that, you know, that over time, the, the value of that debt is dropping. Um, if you've got a mortgage, then then you know, your mortgage on your property is staying at roughly the same kind of level, but your house is becoming more valuable. So as a result, that debt is actually a smaller proportion of the value of your property. Uh, and do you know which entities, Ben, have got the most debt? Go on, tell me. Our government have. So all the money we borrowed over the COVID period is actually becoming less and less valuable the more the inflation goes up. Uh, don't, I don't think the government will be comforted much by that because of the pain it's going to cause normal people paying their bills over time. So that's some of the factors and implications of high inflation. What might be some of the issues if we had zero inflation, if, if there was no price increases whatsoever? We were really, really low on inflation. OK, <clears throat> so zero inflation the first thing I say is when you're on zero inflation, you're, you're you know a hair's breadth away from going into a position that we call deflation. OK, and inflation is prices going up. Deflation is prices going down. And if you're on that point where, where prices look like they're going to fall. OK, well, if I, if I think about, you know, you personally, Ben, if you're just about to buy something, if you're going to buy a new car, but you think that cars are going to come down in value over the next three months. Are you going to buy it today? You're going to wait three months. Delay, delay, delay. Absolutely. OK. And so every you know, that's what anyone would do unless you absolutely have to buy stuff, unless it's food or heating. But if it's anything discretionary, if it's, you know, you're buying a new TV, new computer, buying a car, um, you know, if you're redecorating your house. OK, if you know prices are going to fall or you think prices are going to fall. Okay, then you're going to delay that kind of expenditure. Okay, you delay any kind of investment. Okay, if you thought house prices were going to fall and you were about to buy your first home, I would wait. Okay, say so I'm not going to buy houses right now because I think prices are going to go down. So where you've got that very, very low level of level of inflation that can can quite easily step into deflation, people don't tend to want to spend money. Now, from a a corporate perspective. And this is where you know we get into the fun of accountancy. From a business perspective, if prices are deflating over time, 
That means that you know, our competition might be reducing their prices in order to be competitive. We need to you know, stay aligned with them at a similar level. So we have to drop prices. It's easy for us to do that, but it's not so easy to reduce your costs internally. And the big cost we have in the UK is labour. And you know, can, is it you know how easy is it to reduce people's wages? Really, really hard, especially when we've got things like rigid minimum wage. So if you've got a minimum wage level at you know the level it is today, you've had to reduce your prices. You can't reduce people that are currently on minimum wage, so your margins get squeezed. So it's another issue where we've got a squeeze on profitability. Now, and you know the, the other thing, if you have got deflation, then. We've got the opposite of, of high inflation where your money is more valuable. Your money actually becomes more valuable over time. So people will want to stash money away and save it and not spend it. And so that's not money that's going into economy, into local businesses and, and helping to you know, pay other people's wages. We'll get on in a moment to what governments maybe look to do to moderate and um, mm -hmm change the inflation rate but let's bring it back to practicalities so we've both been teaching the applied management accounting unit at level four recently yeah. haven't we and in that syllabus and it's in other syllabuses as well something i'm sure a lot of listeners and students will associate with is the concept of preparing a budget for the future period and one of the budgeting techniques i've been talking to my class about is an incremental budget taking the numbers from this year and changing them for next year's budget with a level of increment, increase or decrease. So I wonder if we could maybe just explore that from the concept of adding in inflation to that incremental budgeting process. Let's start with sales. What are some of the thoughts that we should be now bringing into our considerations in a, a, a budgeting and management account and exam about forecasting our sales for next year in the context of we're experiencing currently inflation at 11%. Okay, I guess the first thing is, what is it that you're actually selling? Um, and although headline inflation, you're absolutely right, is kind of sitting there in, in, into double figures, um, not everything is inflating at that kind of 10, 11% rate. So in terms of what is it you're selling? Well, I've seen at the moment, if you look at the kind of the, the, what makes up inflation, things like consultancy firms, they're not inflating at anywhere like 10 to 12 percent. Know, those prices are, are increasing at a much, much lower rate. So it might be the case that you're looking at within your sector. Um, what does inflation look like? Um, we also know that there are certain other areas where inflation has been much higher. And the one that is if anyone's been shopping recently will know um, food is, is, you know, inflation within food is absolutely huge. Now, there are. You, you can look at things like reports from the Office of National Statistics where they will give you a forecast of what they believe inflation is going to be looking like over the next one, two years. And I, I think you've seen some of the reports that I've seen, Ben, that, that the, 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 the economists, the central um, government economists are saying that they believe that inflation has probably reached its peak around now and they think it will start coming down as we go into next year and then settling down to what they refer to as a slightly more normal rate of kind of about 2-3% into 2024. So I'd be looking at well, what are those forecasts saying for individual things that we sell and then using that to help us forecast. It's always better to try and look at the the inflation rates that apply to individual items rather than just a headline rate because it's not necessarily going to work for your business or your industry and i think from my perspective i really encourage my class when they're thinking about that sales element of the budget to think about volume and price and there's a clear link between those two but but are we going to be able to sell more or actually is there going to be a, a drop off in the volume what does that mean we can do with the price will the market accept a higher price what are some of the alternate strategies if we can't put our prices up because consumers our customers won't take it what 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 can we do as a, a business if we're coming up with our our strategy for next year Okay, this is something, one of the things that you can do, and I talk about this all the time in management accounting, is you can do what our friends at Cadbury's have done with the Freddo. So we said earlier that Freddo's have gone from 10 to 30p over a 17-year period. They've also gone from a 20-gram bar back in 2005 to now an 18-gram bar. So they've reduced the size of a Freddo as well. They've made it smaller 
And so as a result, it costs them less to make it. So that means they can sell it, say, for the same price or a similar price, but it costs them less to produce. Now, you're going to see this absolutely loads over the next month then, because we're coming up to the festive period and you you as a family appear to me to be the kind of family that have a selection tin of various different chocolates. I, don't, I, I think you're probably a hero's family, but I might be wrong there. Spot on, heroes over celebrations. Absolutely. Maybe roses at a push, but certainly not Quality Street in this house. They don't go down. Well. I'm a, I am a Quality Street fan. I'm not a fan of the roses. Um, but yeah, so heroes. I'll guarantee you'll buy some heroes over the next couple of weeks. If you haven't bought them already, you will bring them home and someone in your family will say that's smaller than last year. OK, there's fewer sweets in it. OK, or they, they started to not come in tins as well. They started to come in like plastic bags, like they're, they're kind of like dishwasher tablets or something like that. Um, and what they're doing is they're saying, well, we can't put our prices up because it's so competitive. We've got so many other people selling similar products. We've got to price ourselves at a similar level. Otherwise, people won't buy our stuff. But what we can do is make our products slightly smaller. And people won't notice if you make it smaller, but they will notice if you put your price up quite a lot. And you see, as I say, with those, you're also going to see it with Terry's chocolate oranges. I don't know if you remember, are you a chocolate orange fan? Love a chocolate orange. Excellent. Now, when you were a child, I imagine Terry's chocolate oranges were as big as your head. They were massive things that you almost couldn't, you had to put both arms around them to carry them like, up the stairs. Um, whereas nowadays, they're pretty much like a chocolate satsuma. They are tiny in terms of the size. I reckon I could eat one in one mouthful. Okay, those have come down. Toblerones, you're going to see. You're going to see any of those kind of chocolates we associate with Christmas reduced and squeezed in size, um, just to try and maintain some of those margins. Crisps as well, Ben. You know, when uh, I don't, when you used to have crisps as a child, I imagine you had a, a bag that was bursting with potatoy snacks that you probably couldn't finish. And now you open a bag of Walkers and there's like three crisps inside it. Shrinkflation is the technical term for this, Dave. Um, I love the term shrinkflation. So things are not going up in price. They're yep. getting smaller to hold the price the same. Very important for consumer goods, I guess, because as consumers, in our heads, there is a level of money we want to and think we should only be spending on, on that. Yeah. Had someone else in the chat box tonight. We're, we're again joined by a fantastic live audience of, of students and, and friends of the podcast. Someone talking about the quality of the ingredients as well. So maybe not just the size, but actually cutting back on some of the, the quality of what's going into the product to reduce some of the cost and, and retain the margin. Yeah, we do. We have seen that. And I think that that is something that we've seen in some food products um, where, where the quality of, of, of ingredients has been downgraded slightly. Um, and I, I've certainly noticed it in some of the things that I buy. I don't think that they would do that with quality streets. Um, I, 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 to be honest, I don't think the chocolate is that great a quality anyway. I don't think they could reduce it much further. Um, but I think there would be. I mean, I, I know the complaints that came in when the Cadbury's cream egg changed its formulation and any change like that makes headline news. So I don't think that they would be able to do that with our Christmas chocolates. But certainly with other foodstuffs, they you know, might, might change the grade or the quality of the things that go there. I, I have noticed in my own Tesco shop, um, that the, the quality of kind of things like fruit and vegetable that I'm getting is far lower quality than I'm used to. Um, and uh, my assumption is that, that that's what they're doing to try and offset those big inflation, inflationary pressures that they have on their costs is buying in slightly lower grade um, in order to try and maintain their margins without pushing prices up a huge amount. So just to summarise what I've heard so far and put it in the context of a potential assessment exam question, we've talked about the impact on sales pricing, on sales volume for your budgets. Mm -hmm. You've also talked about re-engineering products, actually mm -hmm. making them smaller, changing the, the quality of materials. You mentioned earlier the labour cost, which is a, a big cost for lots of businesses. And thinking about the impact of wage rises, maybe being higher than they have been previously, thinking about minimum wage and, and that having to be maintained. We can't just go and, and reduce wages or um, go against government laws. 
What about some of the other costs of a business? I'm thinking fuel and energy has been in the news a lot recently. Clearly, from a, a domestic consumer product, it's costing us more money to go and fill up our vehicles or pay for the, the gas and electric at home. But what impact is that having on businesses and, and thinking budgeting for, for next year, Dave? Well, something that I've noticed, I don't know if you've seen this, Ben, but I, I do a lot of my Christmas shopping online. And I think more than any other year, I'm being charged for delivery for things. Normally, it's you've got free delivery or free delivery if you spend more than £30. But there's a number of retailers that I'm dealing with that are charging us for delivery. And they're apologising for it and saying, sorry, we have to charge this. But you know, that cost of transportation and delivery is so much higher than it was last year that we have to pass it on. So there are issues around that. So definitely to delivery costs whether you're delivering yourself and you've got fuel costs, things like that. You're right, overhead costs um, are, are going up in terms of electricity costs. Any business that uses a lot of electricity um, is definitely going to see that. And I, I don't know if you saw that, um, I think it was PwC um, uh, announced that they are shutting their offices over the Christmas period um, in an effort to cut costs. Because that's, you know, they're saying over a two week period, then everyone's going to work from home. No one's coming to the office. I don't have to put the heating on for two weeks. And that's going to save a huge amount of cost in the coldest part of the year. So, you know, there are businesses that are making those kind of decisions as a result of huge inflation in terms of um, in terms of gas, electricity, and also in terms of things like you know, fuel for, for powering your cars or your vans. But one, one of my favorite things that I heard this summer actually was, I have a friend that works for a large biscuit company. So uh, I won't mention which biscuit company it is because I, I haven't got clearance from his um, PR department to actually disclose. And the first thing he I said, how's inflation impacting you? And he said, it's crazy. I've never known a time like it. And in the first six months of this year, they had put their prices up three times because the cost of their uh, of all their ingredients had gone up so much. Uh, and he's he's been working there 10 years. And over that 10 year period, they hadn't put their prices up three times in a 10 year period. And whereas they've done it in six months. And I said, what which cost is your biggest increase in cost? What was the cost that's biting most? And you'll never believe what it is, Ben. Could you imagine if you're a biscuit company, you make biscuits, what's the bit what 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 cost is causing him most pain or was causing him most pain? I feel I'm being stitched up here QI style, but but naturally in my head, I'm thinking biscuits, raw materials, wheat prices. So I'm thinking the flour that goes into making their biscuits has been the biggest price increase. It, it's not, Ben. It's not. You are being stitched up. QI style. He said the, the thing that's causing them the most headache was cardboard costs because the price of cardboard are coming up a such amount. And if you think biscuits are, you know, if you've got, say, you know, 20 rolls of biscuits, they're all in a cardboard box. And that cardboard box then gets sent out to Tesco's or Sainsbury's or whatever. And the price of cardboard had gone up by such a huge amount that it, it was causing them massive profitability issues. I was kind of like, surely not. And he goes, yeah, if I could find a way to transport my biscuits to supermarkets without using cardboard, I'd be really, really happy because it would save us a huge amount of money. So it's it's strange thing sometimes when we see the different things that are going up or down in price. I would imagine over the you know the, the time since I've spoken to him, I know food prices have continued to rise and they're going to be causing him even more pain now. Just going to pause for a moment to um, look at the the chat box we've got going from the live audience tonight. Lots of um, sympathy for you on the the volume of crisps per packet now, Dave, this evening. So that's an observation that's not just just yours. A number of people mentioning that packets of crisps are far too small these days. Um, observations about brands that have, have sadly had to close, those that were maybe differentiating. Now prices become a bit more of a conscious buying decision for consumers. Those brands have suffered. Um, people talking about vegan ranges of foods, which were very, very popular over the last four years in a real growth sector, actually having to kind of now cut back. And we've seen some of those those brand names disappear. Um, interesting observation about um, further cost of wages with regards to the use of overtime. And I suppose this is a another factor coming into play. Staff are expecting to be paid more. But there is still, in the UK particularly, an overwhelming shortage of skilled staff to, to, to do the job. So a bit of a perfect storm there, I guess, with regards to if we have to keep up production, we might also have to pay overtime on top. Wages are really interesting. And I know this is 
you know, the, the almost the secondary thing people are thinking about at the moment, because number one, people are thinking about their bills going up month by month by month. Um, and when we look at our salary, wage inflation is not rising at the same rate as, as CPI is. So if CPI is going up at 12 percent, you know, wage inflation is, is, is going to be in single digits. It's going to be significantly lower than that. Now, what that means is that as an employee, you're actually going to become poorer over time because your inflation is up here. Your your salary is not increasing at the same rate. There's a bigger gap and you'll be able to buy less with your salary in a year's time than you could a year before. Now, we all think that's that that's that's. You know, a really bad thing because we are collectively as a nation becoming poorer. Now, there is a way to beat this because what wage inflation does is it says how much were wages last year and how much are they this year? And then it says, what's the difference? What's the change? And that wage inflation applies to you if you do exactly the same thing this year as you did last year. So if you're doing exactly the same job on the same pay scale, yeah, you are going to be poorer at the end of next year than they were at the beginning of the year the way to overcome it is to move yourself up into a new pay, pay band okay and the way to do that then is you know as we know is to have skills that are scarce and have skills that people are willing to pay for and that's what you know people have alluded to shortages and overtime if there is a shortage of skills you're going to be able to demand a higher wage if you're in an industry that is not differentiated and is relatively unskilled in terms of the work and there are lots of people that could step in or it's a job that could be automated you're not going to have that power now for me where you know in the industries that i deal with there is a skill set that is really short that if you can do it at a good level okay you can see your salary jump up and, and that's guess which industry then i would hope you're going to tell me the industry of accountancy and qualified accountants 100 percent. okay that if you look at salary expectations for someone who is aat level two level three level four someone who's acca qualified who's three five ten fifteen years experience at various different levels those pay jumps are absolutely massive in comparison to to inflation. So, the, you know, the best thing that you can do is improve your skill set. If you work within the realms of finance, that there's a really nice relationship between your skill level and the amount of salary you can get. So, yeah, you're going to be in trouble if you're doing exactly the same thing in a year's time that you're doing now. But let's not do the same thing that we're doing in a year's time. You know, and, and you know, this is, you know, obviously I've got a vested interest in people wanting to do qualifications. But if you complete a level of AAT or you complete a, a level of ACCA in a year's time, your earning potential will be better than it was in a year's time. And you will outstrip inflation unless we have inflation that's running at 25 percent next year. I can't see a way that your salary expectation won't outstrip inflation. Let's think now about some of the, the ways that governments try to control inflation. So we've said it's high, 11%, target 2%. I hear lots about interest rates going up. I wonder if you could just give us the, the technical reason why it might look to put interest rates up or the Bank of England might if they want to control inflation. Okay, so you mentioned two percent as, and you know, the the government have got their own targets for inflation, and what the government want is they want us to have a small amount of inflation. They want us to have inflation at a nice, low, steady rate. You know, the most important thing is to have inflation at a nice, steady, predictable rate. And in theory, you could have inflation running at one hundred fifty percent. And if everyone knew it was 150%, then all you would do is you'd increase your prices by 150% every year and people could plan for it. It would be weird that we lived in a world where everything went up by 150% every year, but you know, that would be something you could plan for as a business. So as a business, we like predictability. The government like it to be at a relatively low level. We don't want it to be getting towards zero because then you get that risk of deflation and people not spending and the economy not moving forward. So a nice steady rate 2% would be lovely. So the government wants to try and achieve that. And uh, I guess before you look at how they can control it, the first thing to look at is what causes inflation. 
because we know the cause of inflation is, then we can do something to try and predict that cause. And the, 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 there's three main causes of inflation. One is because of demand, because loads of people want to buy stuff. So if everyone wants to buy the same things, okay, and there's a huge clamor, everyone's trying to buy it, what happens to prices? Up, up, up. And I guess we're coming to the time of year. I don't know what the must-have Christmas toy is this year, but every yeah. year there is a story on the news about the thing that's out of stock and people yeah. are paying ridiculous prices to get the only... Um, it was Elsa dolls from Frozen when my girls were of an age that that was the must-have toy for Christmas. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking at them because I, I don't know if you've noticed them, but there's lots of bands from when I was young in the 1990s that are touring next summer. And I've been looking at ticket prices and they've all sold out. Loads of people want to buy them. And on the secondary market, the prices are skyrocketing really, really high. So one is, is demand can fuel inflation. Um, uh, another one is it's the one that we really have now, which is it's not demise, it's supply. It's because the, the raw materials have gone up in price. And we've seen that with fuel prices have gone up. Okay? And now a lot of that is to do with Ukraine, because you know, we're not getting the fuel that we would normally get from Russia. So that means that there's less fuel out there and people have to pay more money for it. Um, we also know that they, there have been issues with crops. So food prices have increased. Um, there, were, there were issues post-COVID with um, goods being transported around the world and the container shortage. And that just pushed transportation costs up. So that's supply side pressure can just load costs, which then can help to push inflation up. And, and then the other one is you know, the government can just produce more money. And if there's more money out there, the government will produce more money, either by actually physically printing more cash or by supporting debt and issuing more debt, then that can also fuel inflation. And we saw some of that through COVID, you know, all those government schemes that the government announced to try and help us through that COVID period, the furlough scheme, the help out to eat out and all those kind of things with the government effectively issuing more money and saying, here's a load of money. We needed it to help get through and um, get through the COVID period. But now we're sitting there with more money actually in the system and that's causing inflation to go up. So there are reasons why kind of inflation can arise. And usually it's a mixture of them. Now, there's multiple things that are going on. Now, how do governments try and control it? They've got three main levers that they can pull. And the one you mentioned is interest rates. So they can put interest rates up or down. And what they're trying to do with interest rates is they're trying to have an impact on demand. They're trying to change the level of demand that's out there. So, Ben, if I put interest rates up and you had a mortgage, that would put your mortgage payments up. So if I said to you, Ben, next month, your mortgage is increasing by £200. What are you thinking? Probably I'm going to have to cancel Netflix. Absolutely. OK, so because you've got to spend money paying your interest on your debt, you've got less money to spend elsewhere. And that effectively reduces demand because people have got less money. So putting interest rates up. It's quite a nice way of, of, of being able to cool down demand. The other thing it does is not everyone's got a mortgage. You know, some people have got savings. And, and if suddenly interest rates go up, you're more inclined to put money into your bank account and just have it sitting there accumulating interest. And that, again, stops people from spending money because they want to save it rather than spend it. So interest rates are something that the government will, or the Bank of England, I should say, not the government, the Bank of England will try and manipulate to try and adjust that inflation and that's the one they're playing with quite a lot at the moment there are two other methods so the other method that the government can use is they they can use fiscal policy which is using their their tax policy and um, using their tax policy again we can put tax rates up and if i increase tax rates that means people have got less money in their pay packet if you've got less money in your pay packet you've got less money to spend that reduces demand and can help to cool inflation down. Okay? Or if you want to stimulate inflation and you want to get the economy going, you could cut, cut tax rates. So give people more money, allow them to spend more money. So the government can do it both ways. And then the other thing we have is, is the government can actually um, manipulate the money supply. And that's where we talk about things like the government issuing more money, Okay, or, or effectively, they can reduce the amount of money that they've issued. That's another method that government can use. And up until just over 15 years ago, 
it's relatively unheard of for our government to do that. The government didn't do it that often. Um, following the global financial crisis back in 2007, 2008, the government went through a massive policy of what they call quantitative easing, which was issuing more funds. Uh, and that will have an impact on inflation. The more money that's out there, then more likely it is to, to impact inflation because more money chasing the same goods means prices tend to go up. So what I'm hearing from that perspective, it's very much trying to tame the demand. And, and you've said we're in quite a unique position with this um, current situation with inflation, because not all of the pressure is demand pressure that's driven prices up. It's a lot to do with the, the supply side of things, which is probably the big headache that everybody in the government have got saying we can't just keep punishing the consumers. We've got yeah. people in the chat box tonight talking about mortgage prices going up and up and up. And um, at some point, people are going to say this is just not sustainable. So so it's a real headache for the government, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's something that, that that was that that's my constant line in arguments at the moment is that play, playing with interest rate policy and impacting on people's mortgages. I, I understand the idea behind it. But if all of your inflation is. Um, is on the supply side then i struggle to see how that's going to how, how reducing demand is going to impact that because surely that means business is just going to stop making stuff rather than they're going to reduce their prices um there's an element also of our inflation those shocks to the system of the war in ukraine and of the impact of coming out of covid They've impacted us now. But remember, inflation is that moving 12 month average. So as we move on a month, we're going to be losing a month from a year ago. And, you know, very soon we're going to get to the 12 month anniversary of the war in Ukraine when fuel prices rocketed. And so that 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 shock to the system is going to drop off our calculations. So that's why a lot of people are thinking next year inflation rates are going to come down quite sharply because all of those shocks to the system are going to start dropping out of our system. Now, if inflation doesn't drop, then that's when it's a real cause for concern for me, because th then you're in a, a spiraling situation of inflation leading on to further inflation. Uh, and, and that's something that is very, very challenging to come down from. Last point from me, and I guess this is looking forward a bit to next year. Lots of people, hopefully are still going to have money where they're thinking of, of holidays and maybe overseas travel and stuff. Um, and we've talked about a lot of the issues being global issues, but still inflation appears to be higher in the UK than it is in other countries at the moment. What is the relationship here with exchange rates? If I'm looking to go to the States next year or go to Europe next year and need some foreign currency? Okay, so it's, that, that's a really good question. And it's a really hard question to answer. So I'll try and do it the justice that I can in the, the two minutes that I've got left. But for anyone that hasn't, um, if you look online at something called purchasing power parity theory, um, there, there's a real, really nice theory that it explains the relationship. But in short, if you've got um, if you've got goods in different countries, then what should happen is those goods should be about the equivalent sort of value. So if goods in, say, the United States are significantly cheaper than goods in the UK, everyone will go to the US to buy things. And what that will do is everyone will be buying dollars and that will make the dollar exchange rate more valuable, okay, and until it reaches the point where the goods are equalised. So because we've got the freedom to buy things in any country we like, okay, that means that exchange rates will move to equalise the value of goods. So if today, £100 worth of goods in the UK will buy you the same as $110 in the US, the exchange rate should reflect 100 to 110 Now, if our exchange, our inflation rate is really high at, say, 10%, that means those same goods in a year's time will be worth £110. And if there's no inflation at all in the US, well, the US goods are still $110. That means suddenly we've got a one for one relationship and the exchange rate should move in that respect. So exchange rates should always change to reflect the differences in inflation over time. So if we've got high inflation, 
what that means is over time, we can buy less and less foreign currency with our money. Okay, so our pound is less and less valuable. So that's bad news if we're going on holiday. And um, I don't necessarily think it's all bad, though, because, you know, some countries have got lower inflation rates than we have. But some countries have got higher inflation rates. And we don't know what's going to happen as we come down out of this. So, you know, we'll see how things do pan out. You know, I guess for most people listening, it's going to be where do I go on holiday and what does inflation look like in those particular countries? But over time, and this is long term, over kind of 10, 15 years, you tend to see exchange rates mirroring the difference in, in inflation rates between different countries. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for that. And thank you for your explanations of, of lots of stuff. It seems like we've done a real whistle stop tour tonight. Um, I've learned some things. There's definitely stuff there that is relevant for exams that, that listeners to this will be sitting in the, the next 12 months. I think, like we said right at the start, inflation will very much be on the radar of the examiners, the people that write the exams. It's certainly something I would be encouraging students to mention in answers, even if not ask for it directly. The impact of inflation, it's a current issue. It is impacting on businesses, impacting on pricing, impacting on margins, impacting on costs and decisions about long term investment strategies. So I, I would include it. I would expect to see it asked for in exam questions going forward. And hopefully this has given you a bit of an insight. And if you want to do any more reading, there is lots of resources online. The Bank of England have got some really good stuff on their website that you can go and read from their perspective, what, what they are seeing and what they are doing. Um, and yeah, look at the Office for National Statistics website, which is an amazing website. And if you look at um, their, their inflation figures, they actually there's a big document that tells you how they calculate um, the, the RPI and the CPI. And for, for nerds like me, it's just amazing reading to say, all oh, right, that's what they do. That's their methodology to calculate the number. It's really, really interesting the way that they look at that average basket of goods that people use. And every now and again things kind of fall out because they become less popular and it's always really kind of I always think quite funny to see all oh, right they've taken they've taken like portable cd players out of the basket of goods because people aren't buying them anymore and they've added something else in because that reflects what current buying habits are so really really good place to look brilliant well thank you all for listening thank you for the live audience and your contribution in the chat box tonight has been really really good thank you for that Thank you for those that have downloaded the podcast. Please continue to download, continue to like and share. Myself and Dave over the, the festive shutdown are going to be doing a few bonus episodes. So look out for those being released ad hoc. Um, in one of them, I'm going to buy a tin of Quality Street and count out the number of chocolates in there maybe and see if we can get some statistics to prove Dave's shrinkflation theory correct. But um, thank you for joining us and look after yourselves good luck with any exams and results that are coming up thank you all very much